0: Welcome to Echoacity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And tonight I am joined by some very good, a whole table full of horse people. It's very exciting because I'm at the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference and gathered around me are uh, Mary Hunter, Kaylee Collins, Suzanne Kernick, Katie Bartlett, Natalie Zielinski, <laughs> and Michaela Hempen. So exciting. So, Mary, you get, you get to start us off because we've just come from what was for me an amazing, amazing evening and honor.
1: All right, so, um, as Alex said, we're here this weekend at the Art and Science of the Animal Training Conference. And for those of you who don't know, uh, this is actually the 12th year of this conference. And this conference started originally at the University of North Texas, and it was started by uh, the ORCA students, which is, ORCA is one of Jesus Rosales Reyes's Lab groups and the students hosted the conference at the university for seven years. But it was always a one day event, and people kept telling us, Make it bigger, make it two days, make it two days. So in 2015, what we did was we formed a separate nonprofit to run the conference and support the conference and to run other educational programs as well. And one reason why we were able to expand the conference was because we received several generous grants from the Edward L. Anderson, Jr. Foundation. So when we first expanded the conference to two days in 2016, one thing we did was we created what we call the Edward L. Anderson, Jr. Award. And I'll I'll read you how I introduced the award because I think it's a good a good summary so as, as i'm sure all of you who listen to this podcast know animal training has evolved a lot over the past decades and there have been some individuals who have been pioneers during this transformation and so we created this award originally to honor individuals who have contributed greatly to animal training into the field of applied animal behavior and more specifically this award honors individuals who have helped to translate science into practice who have helped develop new innovative training methods and technologies and who have been instrumental in educating others and sharing their knowledge. And we were just so thrilled this year because we honored Alexandra Kerlin as the recipient of this year's award. Yay!
2: Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, Thanks. congratulations. I mean, this just happened like what an hour ago yeah and i'm really proud and i think you really deserve this you've changed the lives of so many people and so many animals and i couldn't be more proud and excited about this
0: well thank you thank <laughs> you thank you immensely and i i loved what jesus said in the introduction to this it was just perfect so Mary, when you see him later, you can tell him how really deeply touched I was. And, and then the two of you gave me a platform to talk about global climate change and the Horses for Future, which was really fun to bring that out to another audience, and so that was exciting. And can we talk about something else now? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think, um,
2: thank you. We're going to let Mary go because she's in the middle of the conference and she has a million things to organize. But thank you for introducing us to this
1: award. And I'm going to try to see if I can come back in half an hour or so. So Okay. We'll, we'll, I have to go take a, care of a few things, though. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well,
2: um, I was thinking that perhaps we could, since you, this is celebrating a life's work. Uh, for advancing uh, applied behavior analysis, and I know that the, you know, Jesus was just telling me how important for this donator it was to make the world a better place, and so I was thinking perhaps we've all had personal experiences with you, and you've made a difference in all of our lives, and I think this might be an opportunity for people if they have things they want to say to you. Um, <laughs> it's a more personal, maybe, podcast than others, but this is a very special moment that you've received this award. And I mean, in the past, Bob Bailey has received this award, Kay Lawrence has received this award, who and Karen, 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 Karen Pryor Piper. and you. So. <laughs> It's a very select group of people. It's a yeah. big honor. And I think it's um, it's nice to take just a few minutes to
0: celebrate. Yes, and to enjoy it. Because yes. you're right, it is, it is an enormous honor. And one of the things that I always celebrate and appreciate is the community that has brought clicker training into the horse world that, yes, I have done spent a lot of hours on the computer and uh, making videos and writing posts and writing books and so on. But one person alone could never have brought clicker training into the horse world. It has always been a community effort and I've always been so deeply appreciative of everyone who has been part of that. So, you know, as I look around the table, uh, Chailey. Collins is here and Chaley you've been the organizer of the clinics out in California. If we don't have people organizing and holding and hosting the clinics you can't you can't sort of seed clicker training into communities and you can't grow the work you know if I only am doing a clinic and then in an area and then I never return the work doesn't grow it never goes past the basics of targeting so it's that being able to go back year after year after year and work with a core group of people that allows the work to continue on and then each of you who then take the work and take it back to your own horses and explore and experiment and then share more widely so Katie you've Katie Bartlett is here I know so many people know Katie because for you know, from the very beginning, you have been so incredibly generous in sharing the work through your writing, through the posts that you've put out on the various forums, now through your own book. It's been uh, just an incredible journey sharing all of this with you. And you always went back to your horses, and you had, because you had more than one horse, it was, well, it works this way with, with this horse. but but not quite the same with this horse, and so what are all those little adjustments that you have to make, that it's never been about a recipe? And then Suzanne, you're this horse, it's like Suzanne's like, oh no, she's going to talk about me, but you know, that that you're one of the bridges between the horse world and the dog world, that you've said to me so many times how the rope handling works with dogs, and, and because you've come, out of the the shelter work community where you're not just handling one or two family pets but so many so many dogs and and natalie the same the same you know with again with that shelter background and, and you're the director of training of a shelter that's the size of your shelter and all of this that you're you're seeding from the horses back into the dog community it's so important and then it cycles back, and it loops around. And then Michaela, when you've been a guest on on the podcast, so people have learned about this real deep connection between the science and the applied. And then connecting us to Anya Baron's work, which is so so important. And and then Dominique, the this this, this coming together first through the uh, retirement farm at Cavalia, and and. The sharing there and then now through the podcast that really sends this work out so beautifully and powerfully. So um, and then sitting around this table, but not here, are so many other people mm-hmm. who have contributed to the the spread, the sharing of clicker training, who've kept it alive, who've kept sharing it, who've who've been brave enough. To go back to their own barns and try it, mm-hmm. even in the face of, oh, you're gonna ruin your horse if you use treats. And you were brave enough to try it and then to share it. You know, I remember in those those very first posts that I wrote, you know, and this is before any of the clicker lists, before Click Rider and before Click L and all those other early clicker training lists. And I would share it on it was a horseman's list. And because that's all that it was, this was in the infancy of the internet. And I would wait until somebody asked a question that sounded as though they might be open to using food. And then I would write a post, a long post, um, (laughs) explaining clicker training and explaining the basics. And they would go out and try it and they'd come back with, my horse is so smart, and it would be with exclamation points and underlining capitals, and, and they were so excited, and just that sharing got other people to just go, oh, let me try that too, and, and even though there were people going, oh, you know, you mustn't do that, you mustn't do that, that enthusiasm of, my horse is so smart, mm-hmm. got people to try clicker training, and it's now spread all around the planet, which is so exciting. And we've and all... It's,
2: and many thanks to you, because you were a guide and a pioneer for this whole community. And, you know, well, I don't know, does anyone have anything they want to say about the award and about
3: uh, Alex's life work?
0: I don't know how far that Yeah, went. so
3: Alex, thank you. You've been incredibly complimentary to the people in here. But I think. You know, all that we've learned is based on the teachings that you've developed, based on your own work with the horses. I can remember one session where you came back and you said you spent the entire winter looking at how a horse moved when you did something. It was inside turns. Inside turns. Right. But anyway, so that, you know, that's been fabulous. But, you know, this is your night. And what I wanted to say is that um, I found you back in about 2009 on the click that teaches um, Yahoo group and then through Cindy Martin because Cindy convinced you to come to Northern California and I had one of those horses that it was like I don't know what I'm going to do with him and if it and I run the clinics but I think most of the people have been at the clinic know that I said even if I wasn't doing the clinic, I would have you come out because that's the only way to improve and get past his history.
0: So, huge thank you. Huge, huge thank you for that. So He's a very cool horse, Mr. Sebastian. He
3: is a very, very cool horse, and he is now 11 years of clicker training, so he's got an incredible foundation. and He lets you know every time.
4: <laughs> so, okay. That was Shaylee um, Collins, she didn't introduce herself, so I'll let you know that's who she is. And I'm Suzanne Kernick and I, um, I have so much appreciation for Alex and what she has done for me personally um, and for the animals that I interact with, my own and my clients, and, and the past shelter animals that I had so much involvement with. But I really want to show my appreciation to Alex for the amazing contribution that she has made to the animal world and to the development of all the trainers in this room, but all the trainers that have heard her speak, have been to her clinics, and have been affected by what she offers us. It is a, it's a foundational training for all of us, because she brings us back to the basics. She brings us back to the reason for me, and I'll speak for myself personally here, the reason why we work with the animals is because our true purpose is to help them. And that is her main focus. It's not a goal-oriented, focus on what do I want from this animal, what do I want from my training program. It is what is best for this animal in this particular environment, at this particular moment, and how can I make that happen for them in the most positive way, so that their experience is as good as it can be. And for me, that has changed so much of my relationship with the world as a whole. And what I've always told Alex is I go to her clinics and I go back to my job and I am a better trainer. I am a better human being and I'm a better instructor to not only the animals in my life but to the people in my life every single time. And to that, I couldn't thank you enough. And I think this award is more than deserving. And I would give you a hundred of them if they were available. <laughs> well,
0: that's a wow. <laughs>
5: okay, so I'm Katie Bartlett, and um, I have to say, I did think it was. Uh, Interesting and true to form that Dominique suggested that we all start by saying something nice about Alex, and she started by going on on the room. <laughs> Just like saying, her. I Just like it, Alex. Just you know, like. Uh, so, um, but I, I think it's right. It's her night, and uh, she deserves it. I I started clicker training about twenty years ago. I found the book by chance, and I remember being excited when I found I could go to a clinic, and I thought I would go to one. clinic learned if I was doing it right. <laughs> and then, you know, that would be done, and I went, and I was just, it was just a whole new world opened up for me. I mean, it's hard to describe how much it changed everything. I mean, you said it when you when you said um, it went beyond the horses. I I had um, children at the time. It, it's changed my relationship with my children, my husband, the way I see the world, the way I do everything. And um, and I there were times early on Actually, before I got clicker training, when I thought about getting out of horses, Mm -hmm. because horses can be, it can be so challenging and it can be so frustrating. And there's so many things, you know, if you're really goal oriented, there can be so many things that come in the way of it and then you feel really stumped. And once I learned to clicker train, not only did it teach me a new way to be with my horses, but it gave me all these other ideas for things to do, you know, and what it was like to own horse, that there were lots of activities you could do together that you enjoyed had an aggressive horse we learned to have fun together
0: Um,
5: I learned how there were things about riding that I hadn't liked you know aspects of how we were taught to be with the horses or ways we use AIDS and things like that and it's just for me it's been an ongoing study of sort of like how can I present the information in different ways that the horse finds accessible you try acceptable if you try and do it this way and the horse goes I don't understand I don't like it you just go Okay, you know it goes back to your reframing let's try and do it a different way I mean I was saying at dinner earlier that that my mare if she if I'm trying to teach her something and she thinks she's got the right answer and it's not what I want I've learned that rather than try and tell her that she's wrong which is something you used to say don't make the horse wrong I will go okay you think that's what the answer is for this and that wasn't actually what I wanted, so let's approach it a different way so that she doesn't have to go through the frustration of having me go, No, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. And
0: you know Rosie, yep, oh, I know for Rosie, <laughs> that's
5: that's been huge,
2: yes, been huge. and for you too,
5: yeah, yeah, more fun, yeah. And I mm-hmm. work mostly by myself, so it's been, I, I always think to myself that the biggest gift you gave me is you taught me how to train. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of what to train and things like, but you taught me to think like a trainer. You taught me really to think about how to break things down, how to read the horse's body language, how to go about planning and doing things. And that's not that easy to teach something.
0: But it's empowering, isn't it? So much of what we learn as horse people, horse owners, is that we have to go to the trainer to sort out our horses instead of learning how to be the trainer so that's a huge piece of of empowerment yeah thank you this
6: is natalie zelinski i'm wondering if i can get away with saying ditto no
4: <laughs> no
6: <laughs> echoing everyone everything that i've heard so far from these wonderful ladies um for me the main like the two things that i always uh, think about are would be the safety that the training has always brought, having a particular horse that was sometimes difficult, um, sometimes mouthy, sometimes putting one's paw in my direct direction, um, having the safety was really important. Um, that would be Scout. And then the other piece was the joy. So um, seeing... <laughs> I to No, no, no. Second, second-hand emotions in the room that I'm picking up on. Um, but the uh, splitting things down, being successful, trailer loading. Alex didn't teach me how to trailer load. She taught me how to split the behaviors down. Um, right. What else? All sorts of... Just even going to a mat, having a, a higgly-piggly horse. Right. <laughs> Harrison, who uh, really came into himself, was able to... Um, Isolate particular body parts really just and
0: and look at when when you did that trailer loading with Harrison and you were teaching Those you know to move a foot when you asked for it and the ripple effect Mm -hmm. Throughout the rest of his world in how suddenly you had a horse who who could stand in balance and who went from when you led him he would fall over his inside shoulder and sort of knock you down kind of thing because he was so out of balance to this horse that was just floating moving so beautifully that by looking at that one little detail of of trailer loading i would just like to be able to put my horse on a trailer and drive down the road to my you know, to my friends, Jen, so that we can, uh, to her arena, that's right, and I can't do that, so that winter that you spent of working on that and that huge ripple effect was so powerful. Mm -hmm. No, keep going. Um,
6: so yes, the the trailer loading, the um just shaping like I had everything coming from a competition world, everything was very goal-oriented. The idea of giving the horses a little bit of choice was a little scary, especially with um Scouts' original behavior. Um and having uh Harrison who was a much more shut down horse. That felt safer to me. I don't know I don't know how well you guys know me, but I'm pretty control oriented Um, (laughs) but with the horses um, Alex did help me learn to do some shaping we had some backing up as a a shaped behavior as an offered behavior we had some really nice leg lifts and flexions that uh, really just improved my actual training skills so very similar to Katie um, Alex is really the one who taught me how to train horses and not in a cookie cutter and cookie cutter way. It was mm-hmm. here are some of the
7: tools, now go out and explore. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. So thank you. Okay, thank you. This is Michaela. Let's see what I can, can make some sense considering that it's four o'clock in the morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd like to say two things. Um, one is I came into clicker training because I loved science, apart from the horses obviously, but clicker training I was attracted because of the science, the scientific basis. And I came later, I think for all of you, I'm, I'm the baby here because I started 2010 with clicker training. And um, I think initially it was, I went um, down two tracks because one was the clicker training and the other one was my love, passion for, for classical dressage and initially it was two tracks. So I I found Alex, basically because I Googled in English. And Alex was the only one that came up for uh, horse training and clicker training. And I stick with it, so um, I went down that way. And for the classical dressage, I found Anya and followed that one really thoroughly. And at a certain point, uh, I realized that this is the same thing. (laughs) And it complements each other so wonderfully. So I did good choices in the beginning and um, worked out fine. And the other thing is related to the science, and um, it's been in the uh, in his introduction to to the award that you are focusing on the foundations. And Cheli also said the foundations. or it was Jesus saying the foundations. But on the other hand, you are actually at the at the cutting edge of of science and bringing the, the application of uh, behavior analysis and training really to the highest level. Because now, when I listen to to others, I go like, oh, this was years ago, you know. <laughs> you know, talking about some of the topics uh, that they said, no, that's not right. <laughs> I learned it differently. We, we passed that. And I'm looking at textbooks sometimes. I think, oh, they should update it and bring a revised uh, because version because I had learned new things from Jesus and, and Alex and this cross-pollinating of the two, and I feel like I'm I'm, I'm Really kept updated and and at the the newest the most interesting stuff that that you are developing and that I can try out with the horses and dive into new articles and get the science out. This is you know the foundations is important, but you also have to improve and and uh, think deeper and ask questions. If what have we done so far, you know, is it actually what we see? Is that the right explanation, or do we have to find a different explanation? And all these reconsidering is is also something that you are very
0: pioneering and... So today's keynote speaker was, said in that story that he told with the way that negative reinforcement was being taught in the uh, introductory courses, and he's saying, well, you know, I don't teach it that way. Well, but this is the way the books teach us. I, well, the books are wrong. Yes, but
2: I want, I, was, I want to add to what Michaela just said, because I, this also, I was struck by this in the, um, in his speech, when he gave you the award, um, where he said that, because yes, this award is uh, rewarding your life's work for everything you have done to advance uh, the the clicker training and the applied behavior analysis in the horse world, but it's not over. And one of the things he said was that your take on cues, the fact that cues evolve out of the shaping process is cutting edge. And I, I can't remember his exact word, but it's like he's saying this is the next wave. And it's funny, because I wrote to you maybe 10 days ago that I looked at your Clicker Expo presentation, cues evolve out of the shaping process, for the third time. And I wrote to Alex, I wrote, this is genius. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this is so important. I really think it's genius. And this is not like your past work. This is the future. Q, and we just did a series of podcasts on cues evolve out of the shaping process. And I'm still thinking about this. And I think everyone will be learning so much more. And to so basically what you're saying is that we need to look at what our horses are picking up as as cues, and the association that he's making, and to really be observing of that and use it in our training, and then maybe do, if we want another cue, well, let's look at what our horses are picking up as a cue, and then we can, use trans- we can do transferred cues, or we can do new cue, old cue. But instead of fighting what cues the animal is is listening to, we should observe it. And, and that's been true of a lot. You're always saying instead of fighting something, let's work with it. That's been something that I hear you say a lot in your work. That there's something that the animals are doing, and somehow we've been taught to go a little bit to try and to try to make it different. Where you're saying, no, use it, observe it, be aware of it, and and work with it. And so I think it's great to hear Jesus say things like, "Well, thank you for all you've done, and there's still so much coming up." Yeah. So Cindy just joined us. Do you want to say a few words about um, this award to Alex and the influence she's had on your life? Well, no
5: small
8: subject. Yeah, I I could just be quiet or I could talk for five hours because it's that profound. Uh, Obviously, I think that um, you are a very worthy recipient. The first year when they gave the award to Bob Bailey I went over to Mary and I said Alex should be next year (laughs) and she just sort of smiled but uh, so I'm delighted that it that it was this year I'm delighted that I could be here Mm -hmm. and with all of you to to share it and yeah it, it your work has been had an incredible influence on my life and I think more than anything learning about the behavior science, learning about positive reinforcement, was really cool. It was, it was opened doors to me, but the nuance that you bring to that basic textbook material and the explorations you've done in it and how generously you have shared it with all of us over the years has impacted me deeply, impacted how I interact with my animals, with all animals, with the people that I work with. And I think more than anything, what what really affects me is how learner-centric it is. It's about that individual that we are interacting with. And you know, the words partnership and collaboration and so on get tossed around so much. But this is you guide us, have guided us to really do that, consider that, to ask our horses questions, to set things up in that way, to not use the positive reinforcement in a coercive way, as you know, um, Joe Lang, Joe Lang's talk today about how it can be used in a coercive way. And you've always taught us that the horse the horse's emotional well being, the horse's physical well being. Um, their relationship with us is first and foremost and and I think because of that that consideration we've been able to explore that really fine line that was talked about so much today about positive reinforcement negative reinforcement there's more than just the quadrants there's that consideration of the animal and the recognition that the rat is always right. So if they're doing it, it's not because they're wrong or the cues are wrong, it's that we have, it's our responsibility to look at the situation and figure out what is maintaining that behavior as you know, was brought up in the discussions today. But just the, the very thoughtful, meticulous way that you've taught us to think about these things to look at our horses, to find solutions. That has had an enormous impact on my life, and I would like to think on the lives of all of the animals that I touch, and hopefully the people connected to those animals as well. So now
2: that you drop this bomb, I'm sure some (laughs) listeners are thinking, how can we be coercive using positive reinforcement? So do you want to explain it, what we heard today? Me?
8: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. well, it would be much easier to illustrate with video than, than, than um, but when I'm working with my, particularly my dog clients, um, and I work with a lot of people that have dogs with aggression issues and um, aggression towards strangers. And so they go on the internet and they Google, and somebody says, oh, we'll just have the strangers give your dog treats. And then they call me after their dog has bitten their friend who was trying to feed their dog treats. And so I think probably channeling a bit of Alex so that they really understand. I don't want to just say, do this, do this, do this with your dog. I want them to understand what's underlying that. And so I'll take a piece of paper and I'll put it on the table. And then I'll take my cell phone and I'll set it on top. I'll say, oh, that piece of paper, that's a $100 bill. And then I'll set my phone on top and say, oh, that's a tarantula. Go ahead take the bill and they understand that they've just put their dog into this position of huge conflict of the dog wants the food but is is afraid of or worried about the person and so they're in this I want it but I don't want it I and they get anxious and then you know if they take the food they're going to snatch so that's a perfect example of What is really positive reinforcement? Is it because it's really kind of a bribe to put the put the food out, or have the person holding the food out, or put the hundred dollar bill on the table and say, "Now take it." But we can put our horses, if or our dogs, or our cats, or well, he gave he gave the
2: example. um, Was it in that one where he said? um, Well, one of the things he said is when there's only one way to obtain what he called the critical consequence right. um and there's no other alternative that in a way it's coercion because you're, you're it's zero choice you have zero no choice, choice if you want to get the critical the consequence you it's it's a form of coercion so that's how positive reinforcement can become coercion so he gave a few examples do you remember
5: what the examples
2: were katie I wants just to add
5: to add a little piece there yes, closer, closer he, uh, I just wanted to, this is Joe Latin who was talking, yeah. and I just wanted to add the little piece there that he did talk about there being critical consequences. Yep. Yeah. So if you have an animal that is, the only way it can earn food is by doing that behavior, then that's a critical consequence, and that is coercion, because it needs that food to survive. Right. If you had a well-fed animal, and the only way that you could, that it could get food was to do the behavior... I don't think he would put it in the same category. Or should, Absolutely because not. Because the animal could, under that circumstances, legitimately and safely say, I just don't want to do it today. Yep. Because there would be no bad consequence because it still would be. You yep. have enough food. Anyways. I just and and in, to add
2: that. in a recent, okay. um, in a, we just talked about, Alex, you were just talking about in our last series of podcasts on counter conditioning about degrees of freedom. And in a way, too, when you only have one skill, you have you don't have a lot of choices where you have a lot of skill then you have more choices and so the the critical consequence he gave the example of if you were going to work in mining and earn an income or work in the field and, and earn an income and there was a third one milling. In, a milling. in a mill in a mill yeah. but if you don't have the mining skill, if you don't have the mill skills, well, that leaves you only one choice. And yes, you will get an income, but it, it may not feel good to you to work in that field. So it was an interesting talk because, of course, all of us, we want to be doing positive reinforcement. But it's interesting to be aware that if the only way for the learner to get to the critical consequence, it may be coercive. If
0: course, if this was a fascinating day. And the, the first talk given by Paul, Paul Newman. Newman, not that Paul Newman, but this Paul Newman, <laughs> right, on, on negative reinforcement and is it what you think it is going back and looking at some of the studies that were done in the 60s, I think all of us around this table have a lot to digest. We're not ready to explain in any no, coherent true. way what that talk really was about. But what I, what I think is going to happen is this, this weekend is really going to be a topsy-turvy Rethinking, reevaluation—really, let's reexamine the language that we use. And there's going to be some interesting evolution coming out of this experience. And I'm seeing all the heads are sort of nodding right now, and and particularly at this hour. And we haven't had time to digest what he what right. what he was saying, and we haven't we haven't run to Jesus yet and said, explain, what, explain it, you explain? explain it, um, but. Oh my goodness, and this, that's the fun of it, is to come to a conference like this and have some of these, it's like you you throw the ingredients into a big pot and you stir them up, and, uh, and what you thought was how the world was ordered isn't really that way anymore. Katie, you were talking about that before we turned the microphone on. Do you wanna, that, that yeah. whole turning the... Yeah.
5: Um, well, what I was saying before we started was just that, you know, people tend to get focused on quadrants around consequences and they sort of started us by turning everything upside down because the first talk was basically telling us that negative reinforcement was not bad and that you weren't necessarily creating um, conditioned aversives. And then the second talk was basically talking about how positive reinforcement could be coercive. So we were all sort of, by the end of the second talk, we were all sort of sitting there scratching our heads. And I was really glad they had the discussion with the people because I think one of the things Joe Lang said that was really relevant was that you have to look at contingencies. Yeah. You know, and that comes back to you have to look at every case, right? It's not just about, it is easy to get sort of, um, focused on, am I feeding after it, or is there a punisher coming, but you have to look at everything that's occurring in the environment to see what that,
0: what is really meaningful for the animal and what effect it's having, and over time. Yep, and over time. Just because you're using positive reinforcement does not mean your learner is having a positive learning experience, is right. one of the, uh, sort of one of those phrases that I use, and so, <clears throat>
5: And then Bob Bailey threw in the little thing about you could you think behavior is increasing because it's being reinforced because it's increasing, but it could be increasing because that's the least punishing contingency.
0: Yes. So our <laughs> so our heads are spinning. <laughs> our our heads are definitely spinning. And, and and we're gonna let them spin a bit before we try and explain all of this in any a real coherent way to everybody else but I think the fun is that our heads are spinning
4: yeah
2: yeah and it's late and so we wanted to celebrate because you just got this award but probably we should go to bed because okay because
0: we have another full day tomorrow Oh, we're not going, we're going upstairs where all the speakers are. Oh, you're are. not going to bed, oh, are no, you? No, we're okay. going uh, to have, we're going <laughs> to we're
8: just warmed up. We're just warmed up. Dr. Newman and Joe Lang.
0: That's right. Now we go up and, and join the others. But, and, but before we and do, do that, discussion, did Susan want to say something? I,
4: I, all I really wanted to say was I thought that the morning's presentations were so craftily Arranged, and I'm sure that Marianne Hayes, had a great um, had some thought into this. But as you um, very well described, the the talk on negative reinforcement, and then the talk on coercion of positive reinforcement, and then your pressure and release of pressure, which I thought was not an accident mm-hmm. in that um, uh, seg in the way that it was put together. I thought was very thought-provoking because it made every single person, at least I can speak for myself and the person I was next to, start asking a lot of questions and something that you have always brought to our attention, Alex, is that negative reinforcement is not always a bad thing and that it is part of what we do and if it's done with precision and compassion and understanding of the learner that it is an extremely effective way. So we and could kind, go on for kind.
2: another 30 minutes just on this. Yes.
4: And I will hand it over. <laughs>
0: we, we could go we on could, for another. We could, but we're not. But we're not because no. this is, we don't have the opportunity that often to right. join the conversations that are going Indeed. on. And right, there are discussions going on I mean we
5: have more information to learn before we should have this
0: discussion. We have more information to learn before we should have this discussion is what Katie was saying. That's absolutely right. So we're going to say goodnight now. But we're going to say congratulations to you again.
4: So well deserved. Yeah.
0: Well Well, deserved. So, thank you. And, And on that wonderful note, we will say goodnight to the podcast and we're going to go learn some more stuff. That was really an amazing experience, and I'm so delighted that we were able to share it with all of you. At the end, we dropped some real teasers into the mix, so let me say that we did do some more recording while we were at the conference. I did indeed go upstairs and rejoin all the others, but not for long. Jesus, Mary Hunter, and Joe Lang returned with us to the quiet of the conference room, where we did this recording so that we could have a real head spinner of a conversation. Not right now, but we will be sharing that at a future date. It was an incredible tennis match. I sat in the middle of the table. Jesus was at one end, Joe at the other, and they lobbed theories back and forth from one end of the table to the other for, I don't know, well over an hour. I loved it. And talk about being a fly on the wall of a fascinating exchange. Of course, that's what you'll get to be as well once we've edited out that recording and gotten it ready to put up. I had questions for both of them about the Saturday morning presentations, but once Joe and Jesus got started, I actually put my questions to the side. I didn't want to interrupt. How often do you get to watch expert We'll call them expert tennis players, volleying back and forth. It just didn't seem like the right time to send in the rookie players with their questions. So that was Saturday night. And then on Monday, after the last day of the conference, on Monday we have private talks where Jesus's graduate students present their work. So on Monday night, after that day of the conference, Paul Newman, who was our keynote speaker, very graciously agreed to go over the questions that we had about the presentation that he had done Saturday morning. So Jesus, Mary Hunter, and several other presenters joined us. And one of the other presenters was Hannah Branigan, who, as many of you know, has her own podcast, Drinking from the Toilet. So Hannah and I, we both brought our microphones. It was so funny. We We got them out again and both of us recorded the discussion. So together we're going to be sharing that since we were both part of that. We'll put it out as a joint project. And I suspect we'll publish the recording that we did with Paul first because it's going to be a good building block for the exchange between Joe and Jesus. I think you'll understand more of that discussion once you've heard the conversation with Paul. And with Paul, he had started out his program talking about the story that one reads in a lot of the introductory texts and that it's it's just not correct, the story that's told around negative reinforcement. And a lot of the studies that were done in the 60s really refute what got condensed and then published so that's what he was looking at he was going back and looking at some of those studies but we weren't clear what that st- what that story was so that was our starting question and it was really informative and oh so much fun so hannah and i will be sharing that recording soon and for all of you who are fans of hannah she has also agreed to join me in a Horses for Future podcast where we'll talk about pasture management. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a fun podcast. And I've invited Joe Lang to join me for a Horses for Future podcast as well. We're going to be talking about degrees of freedom and what unfolds for individuals and groups when choice is restricted. His presentation was. It was frightening, it was disturbing, and it was hopeful all at the same time. And I think what he was sharing with us on Monday during the private talks is so very relevant to the discussion we've been having on the Horses for Future podcast about how to talk to people whose views may not match your own. So we have a lot of great interviews coming up and I'm so excited to be able to share them with you. I'll just close by sending out a huge thank you again to Jesus, to Mary, and to the ORCA students for organizing such a great conference. And I'll also say a special thank you to Jesus and Mary and Joe and the Anderson Foundation for selecting me for this year's award. It was indeed a great honor, and I really appreciate what they did. So thank you all, and I also want to thank Dominique and Chaley Collins, Suzanne Kurnick, Katie Bartlett, Natalie Zielinski, and Cindy Martin for joining me in this podcast. I can think of no better way to celebrate the event than to be able to share the evening with all of them. So thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the Aquosity podcast, do please leave us a five-star review in your favorite podcast provider. It helps to spread the word. And until next time, have fun with your training.